there, my fellow humans, and welcome to another episode of Weird Humanity. As always, I am your host, Amanda, and we are coming to you. This is a night recording, but a purposeful one, not because I decided to re-record the episode nine hours before I'm releasing it. Um, This is being recorded at night because we are snuggled up, got our warm milk, got a little kitten next to us, slippers, fuzzy blanket. This episode is all about sleep. Before I get into it, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for the support from the first five episodes. Thank you for the word of mouth. Thank you for sharing. Um, Thank you for sharing my links on your social medias and just telling people about it. I cannot express how much I appreciate it. But let's talk about sleep. Um, The title today is While You Were Sleeping, which is definitely a nod to the 90s rom-com of the same name, starring the wonderful Sandra Bullock, the charming Bill Pullman, and Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. I'll give you a minute to Google a picture of Peter Gallagher if you're not sure what he looks like, but he has the most amazing eyebrows coming from a girl who also has the bushy eyebrow syndrome. Uh, Peter Gallagher is is our um, our leader. Um, it's also kind of a problematic rom-com if I think about it. Uh, basically, it's about Sandra Bullock pretending to be engaged to a guy that fell into a coma who is Peter Gallagher, and then she falls in love with his brother. It's, if you ever watch it, take the entire thing with a grain of salt. And also maybe don't trick the family of a comatose patient into believing that you are their fiance. Anyway, so let's talk about sleep. This is one of those topics that can go in a dozen different directions. I have already planned on a future episode involving dreams, nightmares, sleep paralysis. That has been on my episode topic list since I started uh, the early stages of creating this podcast. Um, But our focus today is going to be on what our bodies are doing while we are sleeping. Because honestly, up until like the 1950s, it was just widely accepted by the scientific community and everybody else that our bodies and brains were dormant during sleep. Our mind shut off, our bodies were doing the bare minimum to keep us alive, and then everything kind of turned back on or turned back up when we woke up. The truth is, your conscious mind may be sleeping, but all the rest of you is working. And during some phases of sleep, it's working pretty hard. Your brain, all of your body systems, your organs, all of the cells that make you who you are have specific tasks and roles that they are performing during sleep. I'm also not going to touch too much on sleep disorders. Um, I'll get a little bit into um, sleep deprivation. I will touch real briefly on um, sleeping too much. Um, And the importance of sleep hygiene, of course, is, is something that we'll talk about. But I feel like sleep disorders, 
like insomnia, narcolepsy, even excessive sleeping, all are topics that deserve their own episode. They, the research out there for sleep disorders is incredibly vast. Also, I'm not going to do so much of the chemical hormonal components of sleep. Um, I did a lot of that. We talked a lot about that in the laughter and the love episodes. And quite frankly, I can only say norepinephrine so many times before my mouth starts turning to mush. Um, so we'll we'll do more more uh, physiological with the organs. We'll touch on mental health um, and basically just how sleep affects our bodily functions. So grab your favorite blanket, warm up a little cup of tea, grab your nearest kitten, and let's talk about sleep. So let's start our deep dive into how sleep affects our bodies and go into the different sleep phases. This is something that I'm sure most people have a little bit of a general idea of what the different sleep phases are and what REM sleep is. So we won't spend a lot of time explaining what the phases themselves are, but more or less what's happening during those phases. The first phase of sleep is the one where you're just kind of drifting off into sleep. You're still kind of awake. You're slowly falling into that nice sleep phase. Typically, phase one is very short. It only lasts a few minutes, and it's very, very light sleep. During phase one, your heartbeat and your breathing, they start to slow down. Your eye movements become less. Your muscles are relaxing. They'll have an occasional twitch every now and then. And your brainwave patterns begin to slow down and level out. Phase one is also where we experience hypnic jerks. Hypnic jerks. That's hard to say which is the term used to describe that horrifying feeling when you are just drifting off to sleep. Maybe you start to feel like you might be falling. You might be having like a real teeny tiny little dream. And then suddenly, boom, you're awake. Horrifying. Your entire body just jerks awake. You're not entirely having a nightmare. It's really just an involuntary contraction. And you can experience this without even waking up. So think about the times that you've woken up or you haven't even been fully asleep and you've had this hypnic jerk. It can also happen when you don't remember it or don't entirely wake up. While you're drifting off to sleep, you might experience some imagery, um, a little bit of dreaming or hallucinations, and that can make the jerk even more startling. Like you see yourself running, being chased, or you're falling. But what causes these hypnic jerks? There's no for sure answer, and that's actually kind of commonplace when it comes to learning about sleep. There's a lot that science cannot fully explain 
about sleep, the the most common hypothesis for a hypnic jerk for that horrible experience is that your muscles are relaxing. But the part of your brain that controls your startle response mistakes that relaxing muscles, the 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 kind of decompressing of the muscles as you actually falling. And I think we've all heard that that's like a primitive response from our caveman days. I don't know if there was a moment in time where we lived in trees, maybe different um, species of human uh, before we evolved into what we are today. Maybe we lived in trees um, and our bodies had to wake us up before we fell out of the tree. It makes sense, but like I said, there is no for sure reason as to why that terrible, terrible thing happens. But at least we're all in this together because it happens to almost every person at least once. Phase two of sleep is the light stage of sleep. So we are no longer in that limbo between sort of being awake and sort of drifting off to sleep, but we're not quite into the deep sleep phase yet. During this phase two, this light sleep stage, your muscles relax even more. Your heartbeat and your breathing, they slow down a lot more. Your eye movements are basically non-existent and your body temperature starts to go down. Your brain waves are still slow. There are little bursts of electrical activity, but for the most part, it's pretty slow. Not much going on up there. Um, and actually, most people spend most of their total sleep cycles in phase two, in the light sleep phase. And phase two can last for 30 to 60 minutes per cycle. And then we move into phase three. That's that that good, that deep, deep sleep. You experience more time in phase three during the first half of your sleep, and it gradually becomes less as you cycle through the phases. During phase three, during that deep, deep sleep, your brain waves, your muscles, they are all at the respective slowest or lowest that they can be. Your body is in its most relaxed state. This is also the time of sleep where it can be the most difficult to wake a person up. Now, this deep sleep, this phase three deep sleep, is important because this is what helps you to feel refreshed in the morning. Each cycle of phase three lasts 20 to 40 minutes. And if you've ever used a smart device, um, I personally have a Fitbit that monitors sleep, it can actually show you how much time your body is spending in these different phases based on your heartbeat, um, your breathing, your body temperature. My Fitbit actually gives me a monthly recap of my sleep. And honestly, it's pretty bad. The reason I have such an interest in sleep is because I don't sleep well. I sleep a lot, but I don't sleep well. Um, and for some reason, Fitbit, they like 
they'll liken your your sleep patterns to an animal. And I guess that's kind of a cute way of like lessening the blow of being told I'm a shitty sleeper. Um, last month or the month before, I was a dolphin. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. No, I'm a dolphin because dolphins are their half of their brain is still working when they're sleeping because they're still swimming when they're sleeping. So my brain doesn't turn off. That's why I'm a dolphin. And that's why I don't feel refreshed in the morning. So that that phase three, that deep sleep, getting enough of that, getting adequate phase three deep sleep is what is going to make you feel just refreshed and ready to go in the morning. And then the last phase is rapid eye movement, aka REM sleep. Now, during REM sleep, we are going to completely throw out everything that we just talked about for the first three phases, because all of a sudden, your body is alert and doing things, and it is a party going on inside of you. This happens about 90 minutes into falling asleep, which, fun fact for you, is why you're not supposed to nap for more than 90 minutes. Actually, you're supposed to nap even shorter than that. Um Maybe I'll do an episode on napping, but I feel like there will be a lot of um, um, self-reflection there because I, unfortunately, am a big napper. Um, but 90 minutes into falling asleep is about when you hit that REM stage and your brain activity is now similar to that of being awake. Your breathing becomes fast and irregular. Your heart rate and your blood pressure are going back up to where they would be when you were awake. And most of your dreaming occurs during REM sleep. Not all. Um, obviously, in phase one, when you have that horrible hypnic jerk, that could be as that could be accompanied by a dream or a little bit of a nightmare. Um, but the majority of dreaming happens during that REM sleep. And REM sleep can vary from 10 minutes to an hour each cycle. And also during REM sleep, you experience temporary paralysis. That is to ensure that your body is not acting out the dreams that you're having. Again, narcolepsy, sleep paralysis, dreaming, those those are topics I'm covering in the honest pretty near future. Um, but I thought that was kind of crazy that I assumed sleep paralysis was a thing that just happened to some people. Oh, no, 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 no. We are all going through a form of paralysis when we are in the phase of REM sleep. So after your REM sleep phase is finished, your body starts over and cycles through all the phases again. And healthy, a healthy sleeper will typically go through four or five cycles per night. In each cycle, you spend less time in deep sleep and more time in REM sleep as the cycles go on. And we're going to talk more about different bodily functions that occur in each phases later on in this episode. All right, so how does our body know when to sleep? Okay, it seems like an obvious answer, right? We work all day in the sun, and then our body gets tired eventually, and then the sky turns dark, and then it is sleep time. That seems 
pretty primitive, right? Well, you have two internal mechanisms that regulate when you're awake versus sleeping. And those are your circadian rhythm and homeostasis. So fun fact about me that's actually pretty embarrassing. I used to think the words circadian and cicada were related. Like, yeah, the bug, the cicada. I thought, like, our internal biological clock was for some reason named after or vice versa. Those horribly loud, obnoxious bugs who scream their butts off every spring because that's how they find a mate. I don't know why, and I'm embarrassed to admit that I was probably older than I should have been when I figured out that circadian and cicada are are not are not related. They are not named for each other. Also, I mean, being a human woman is hard enough, but at least we don't have men screaming incomprehensible nonsense at us just so we mate with them. Oh. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Yes, we do. Anyway, um, okay, so your body's biological clock is loosely based on the 24-hour cycle of sunlight, darkness, and that can vary slightly depending on where on Earth you live. Different hemispheres, um, different regions, you're seeing more or less sunlight, and your biological clock adjusts to that, which is why traveling is so hard on people when you travel to different time zones, um, different parts of the uh, of the earth that see more or less sunlight. That's that's a lot of what jet lag is. Um, but your biological clock controls most of your circadian rhythms. And those help to regulate your body temperature, your metabolism, and they release hormones. While your circadian rhythm does take most of its cues from light and temperature during the day, that's how your circadian rhythm, for the most part, knows that it's daytime versus nighttime because there's light and there's warmth. But your circadian rhythm continues even in the absence of those light and temperature cues. And then sleep-wake homeostasis, that's what reminds the body to sleep at a certain time, and it regulates your sleep intensity. So every hour you are awake from the time you get up, your sleep drive gets stronger until then it's bedtime and then your body gets to sleep. Homeostasis is the balance between being asleep and being awake. Having a good sleep routine that is consistent helps keep your body in that homeostatic balance. And again, I I'm not I don't want this to sound like I'm soapboxing or preaching because my sleep schedule because of my job, my social life, my mental illness, um new documentaries on Netflix, podcast episodes that I need to catch up on or record really, really affect the the randomness that is my own sleep schedule. 
So we know that the brain waves are ebbing and flowing during the different phases of sleep. But what else is the brain doing? The brain's always doing something. So while your conscious mind is enjoying a dream of, oh, I don't know, Bradley Cooper, and you, you're you on your fifth date with Brad, and for some reason your dearly departed grandmother is the chef at the restaurant, and there's a roller coaster that goes through the middle, and you don't really care because you are so absolutely sure that tonight's the night. It maybe wasn't too long, but you feel it in your heart. Bradley Cooper is about to pop the question. <sighs> Where was I? Okay. Um, your brain is hard at work during the different phases of sleep, processing the previous day's information and sorting it out into areas for you to access later. Sleep is critical to learning and memory retention. Sleep is critical to learning and memory retention. That is the part, that's part of the way your brain turns short-term memories into long-term memories. And if you have memory issues with either short or long, it could be because you are sleep-deprived, your brain isn't being given the time it needs during sleep to retain and recall the events and information. The REM stage of sleep is especially important for mental sharpness and focus. So most people will notice a drop in productivity and their ability to focus when they are sleep deprived. And let's include mental health into the function of the brain. A consistent restful sleep schedule helps to lessen the symptoms of anxiety and depression. This is, it sounds obvious, but it's also been observed and recorded. Every year, the National Sleep Foundation conducts their Sleep in America poll, and the one just this past year, 2023, their main focus was sleep health, mental health, and how those two are related. Um, I found the poll results, and I'm just going to go over some of the results that I found interesting. Over 90% of adults in this poll who participated who reported having good sleep health also reported lower or no depression symptoms. 65% who reported being dissatisfied with their sleep experience mild or greater levels of depressive symptoms. And 50% of adults who sleep less than the recommended hours, which is seven to nine hours for adults, experience mild or greater levels of depressive symptoms. The National Sleep Foundation, again, who conducts this poll, along with the National Institutes of Health and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, have all recognized that the state of mental health in the U.S. today is a crisis. And again, a good night's sleep isn't just going to magically eliminate depression and anxiety and everyone's going to love each other and there's going to be no more sadness in the world. But good sleep hygiene is proven to lessen the symptoms of mental illness as well as others if we all just got 
a little better sleep. We would be in slightly better moods. The world would just slowly but surely start to be a a more relaxed place. All right, so once again, it obviously goes without saying that good sleep hygiene has positive effects on our physical as well as our mental health. And last segment, we talked about our mental health. So let's get physical, Olivia Newton-John. R.I.P. Sandy. Uh, Sleep affects almost every system and organ of the body besides the obvious brain, Your heart, your lungs, your metabolism, your immunity, disease resistance, glucose levels, all of that is affected by sleep. So let's go back to when we talked about the different sleep phases. Through phases one through three, that's when you go from falling asleep to light sleep to deep sleep. Your heartbeat, your blood pressure, your breathing are all slowed way down. Your lungs and cardiovascular system essentially go through a recovery stage during sleep, and hormones are released that repair the cells and the tissues of those systems. Your heart and blood vessels have to work a lot less when you're asleep. They're still working, but they don't have to work as hard. So people who have consistent sleep deprivation are going to have a higher risk of cardiovascular and pulmonary issues. And what about if you've recently noticed trouble losing weight or trouble maintaining a healthy weight? That could be partially due to your sleep quality, which, again, sounds obvious, but how? So sleep deprivation messes with the hormones in your brain that control your appetite. You're more likely to eat unhealthy meals and snack unnecessarily when you're sleep deprived because those hormones aren't telling you, Amanda, put down the zebra cake. You've already had two. I love zebra cakes. And (laughs) being tired obviously is going to inhibit your desire to move your body, be active. And so this could lead to, and very often leads to, weight gain, inability to maintain a healthy weight, and can lead to obesity. Sleep also helps our immune system. It helps it stay tough and ready to fight bacteria and viruses. Especially in the deep sleep phase, your blood glucose levels start to drop, and that's also going to give your body a glucose reset before you start the next day. Now, here is the fun fact of the episode. I've already touched on it a little bit, but the biological purpose of sleep is still not fully known or understood by science. And you're like, I'm sorry, you have just spent the last 25 minutes rambling on about how sleep affects us in different ways. Yep, yep, I know. Um, What that means is that the science of sleep is an ongoing journey of discovery. 
there are new aspects, new um, ideas, I guess, for lack of a better term, of sleep that are being discovered all the time. We can see the positive effects of sleep and the negative. We can observe how the brain functions during sleep. We can quantify the long and short-term negative effects of not getting enough sleep. But when it comes to evolutionary terms, when it comes to our biology, it is not 100% understood why we have evolved to require the amount of sleep needed to see those positive healthy effects. Why can't our cells just regenerate while we're awake? Why why haven't we evolved for for that? Why does our heart need a rest? It's the most critical organ in our body. Well, one of them. I I would prefer that my heart be operating at 100% capacity 100% of the time. Why why does it need that that break? And why do some animals only require a few hours of sleep per night, but then other animals, like two of my favorites, the otter and the koala, they need 18 to 20 hours of sleep. 20 hours of sleep, can you imagine? Some days that sounds amazing. My doctor calls that depression. It seems strange. like. Obviously, we know why we need to sleep because we're tired, but science doesn't know why, why. All right, so we've already touched on some of the long and short-term effects that can happen with sleep deprivation. Um, let's look a little bit more deeper into chronic sleep deprivation. Um, it's important to point out that everyone's going to have a bad night's sleep every now and then. Everyone's going to be sleep deprived every now and then. It's the chronic sleep deprivation where your body mentally and physically is going to start seeing those negative effects. If good sleep hygiene is going to support immune, metabolic, and glucose systems, then a lack of sleep over long periods of time is going to lead to weakened immune systems, obesity, pre-diabetic symptoms. And in the same way, if good sleep hygiene helps our heart and lungs recover, then bad sleep hygiene can increase your risk of heart disease, hypertension, and stroke. And one of the most fascinating articles I found that I wasn't expecting when I was doing this research was the effects of driving while tired, the effects of chronic sleep deprivation on you behind the wheel. It sounds obvious, right? Duh, like don't drive while you're tired. But some of the statistics and information was pretty surprising. Because our society is, we are just go, go, go. We need that immediate satisfaction. Now, 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 everything just has to be like right now, immediate in front of us. We, you know, we're always, we're running late or we're rushing. We have to get to work. We have to make the birthday party. We want to see that concert. 
But driving while tired can be just as, if not more dangerous, than driving while intoxicated. Um, The most recent numbers I could find were not super recent, but they were from, again, the National Sleep Foundation. And the National Sleep Foundation took these numbers from the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration. Driver fatigue caused 83,000 accidents in the U.S. between 2005 and 2009. And I know that seems small when compared to the greater population, but these accidents were 100% avoidable. In 2016, there were 803 deaths caused by driver fatigue. And again, those are totally avoidable. One is too many. And the jury is honestly still out on whether people can adapt to sleep less. I know a lot of people think like, yeah, I I can just function on three, four, five hours of sleep every night. But there isn't a lot of science to support that. The quality of sleep that we're getting each night is just important as the quantity. And the quality of sleep is going to be dependent on how often your body is able to go through the different phases and the different cycles. So on only four to six hours of sleep, your body isn't able to go through as many. So your cells, your tissues, your muscles, they don't get that recovery time. Your memory and mental clarity and alertness are going to be much lower and slower as opposed to that of someone who does get um, regular seven to nine hours per night. And again, I know I admitted I sleep too much. And you're thinking, well, isn't that also bad? And yes, it is. Um, Excessive sleep and excessive sleepiness are also sleep disorders. Um, Too much sleep throws off your circadian rhythms and your homeostasis, and that can have lasting effects similar to those of someone with sleep deprivation. And excessive sleepiness is a disorder of never feeling rested, even after getting the recommended hours of sleep, even after letting your body go through those phases and those cycles for seven to nine hours, you're still constantly exhausted. And the last little bit of of research on sleep I wanted to real briefly touch on, I didn't know this was a thing, microsleep. Microsleep is the moment when you fall asleep for literally a few seconds during the day during a time when you would normally be awake and alert. It's such a common occurrence that microsleep is actually considered dangerous when it happens during driving or operating any heavy equipment, uh, cutting down trees, or even riding your bike. All of those activities that require alertness, sleep deprivation can lead to those moments of microsleep and can be dangerous. So if you seem to be having trouble staying awake during the day, or if you struggle to fall asleep, if you struggle to stay asleep, if you've seen like 
recent changes in your physical and mental health, like you've put on weight, you feel like you're starting to have pre-diabetic symptoms, you have mood swings, your anxiety is worse than it's ever been. Um, Obviously, talk to a healthcare provider, but talk about your sleep hygiene and, and look into any potential sleep disorders that could be affecting you physically and mentally. So, That is it. That is everything I have to say about the wonderful thing that is sleep. I sure am tired. That was kind of a long one. Um, I hope I didn't put any of you to sleep with this information. Again, as always, I hope even if you didn't learn a single new thing about sleep, I hope you enjoyed coming on this journey with me as I learned new things about sleep. So let's curl up in bed. Next week, we're going to have quite the uh, 180 from where we are right now. Quite the wake-up call because we're going to cover this is the most requested topic I've gotten from people since the birth of this podcast. And that is, drumroll please, swear words. Where do they come from? Where do they go? Where did they come from? Cotton Eye Joe, I'm tired. So until then, sleep well, my fellow humans, and keep on being weird. Nino, you have anything else to say? Can you say goodnight to the humans? Can you say goodnight? Okay, thank you. Nino says goodnight. Bye. This episode of Weird Humanity was written and researched by me, Amanda Reinhartz. Sources used for each episode can be found in the show notes. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, and give us all the stars wherever you listen. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Weird Humanity Pod and join the Facebook group, Weird Humanity Podcast. Send your show ideas, letters of praise, or advertising inquiries to weirdhumanitypod at gmail.com.